guy. Ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. This is part two with Cameron Dayton. We, we opened up the stage, essentially, and, and let people get on board. I mean, it was, it was so much fun to have, like, the very first thing we put out was a website called projectblackstone.com, and it was password protected. We didn't put out a single banner, not a single ad, nothing to advertise this. We wanted to see what would happen with the word of mouth. And... Uh, and, and it was amazing. I assumed we would have a couple days, maybe even a week or so before the, the fans came across it. But there are some watchdogs out there. Three hours after it went up, it was, it was popping up on gamer news sites. Hey, why did Blizzard buy uh, ProjectBlackstone.com? What does this mean? What, where, where does it go? And, and there were uh, debates about it. And they- this is another episode of Innovation and Leadership, where we interview all kinds of high achievers from world-class musicians to CEOs, authors, and pro athletes. Try to find the common elements of success, no matter what you're working on. Cameron, we left off, we were talking about the advantages of this crazy thing you were doing at Blizzard with, um, you know, fake Twitter, real Twitter accounts for fake characters and like experimenting with, with media that came across, you know, whether it's comic books or novels or video games and, and actual social media where you gave a chance for this audience to be so much more immersed in something you're doing. And I think there's probably a bunch of people who are at home laughing as they're listening to the stories like I am here just interviewing <laughs> you. But let's talk about the business implications of this. Of, yeah. of Did you say you got 12,000% more interest? Tell, tell me yeah. that number again. What was the, what were you tracking there? It was, so, so we had some analytics built into our, our website of things, you know, and, and that's how we tracked unique views people that came over to the uh the the part of our um of, of our website that and which with... which game was this one again so this was for starcraft and it's what a... what starcraft like starcraft number four starcraft what it was it was starcraft number two the first okay. one uh, had come out uh years and years ago back in the 90s um and it was a huge success it was known as a, a real-time strategy game which means it's kind of a top-down down game like a chess game, but imagine your chess pieces are um, alien warriors and starships, and uh, you know, and they can shoot each other, and and they're super cool and and make great sounds. Anyway, this game became a, a smash hit and uh, was one of the the many uh, uh, you know best-selling uh, games that put Blizzard on the map. So the sequel was expected to be even bigger. You know, there was better technology and there was so much more going on. And, uh, and the, uh, the, the first, it was going to be put out in three parts, the uh, Wings of Liberty, um, the uh, Heart of the Swarm, and Legacy of the Void. Each of those three pieces focusing on 
one of the three alien races, well, one of them is a human race, that, that are battling for supremacy in the galaxy. So um, the, uh, they'd already come out with the first one, so we had the, the first uh, Wings of Liberty game, so, which was StarCraft II Wings of Liberty, uh, set was kind of the bar, where we had something to compare to, and so we, we wanted to see if we couldn't increase uh, players' interest in the, the, the story elements of the game, and the, the campaign elements of the game. The game is wildly successful as a player versus player game, as an eSport game, as a game that people get on to immediately play against their neighbor across the street or somebody on the other side of the world. There's also a, a story campaign, though, where you play through a beginning, middle, and end of a story that, that we, we wanted to make sure the audience was engaged with. And so we measured that by how much they were engaged with the elements of the website that are uh, you know, related to the story, that give character bios and have... Uh, short stories about uh, uh, different uh, monsters and technology and elements there. So the uh, you know and this it's it's not a mobile game, so we didn't have the constant uh, ability to check when and how these games were being played just yet. Uh, so the uh, we we my theory was that a transmedia campaign, a story campaign that would engage our audience before the game even came out, would build up such excitement and such loyalty. And, and integration into this into the story that it would uh, would would marry them to that part of the game. And so, compared between StarCraft One Wings of Liberty and StarCraft Two Heart of the Swarm, uh, we saw that a twelve thousand percent jump in numbers and engagement with what we were doing. And what was, what uh, did that turn into for success, like financial success for the company? You know what the that stuff is not. Um, Public, just, well, yeah, yeah, that's not. Stuff that but, I can, but, but safe yeah. to say, it was significant. Yes, it was. It was a wildly successful patch, and uh, is considered by many to be their their favorite until the next uh, Legacy of Void came out, which was handled by my buddy James Waugh, and uh, they uh, they did a, 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 a different transmedia take on it, and was uh, wildly successful as well. So, well, um, and this the is, lesson learned was yeah, was yeah. In, in rather than just putting your audience in a dark room and saying, sit back and, and watch us tell a story. We, we opened up the stage essentially and, and let people uh, get on board. I mean, it was, it was so much fun to have like the very first thing we put out was a website called projectblackstone.com and it was password protected. We didn't put out a single banner, not a single ad, nothing to advertise this. We wanted to see what would happen with the word of mouth. And, uh, and, and it was amazing. I assumed we would have a couple days, maybe even a week or so, before the, the fans came across it. But there were some watchdogs out there. Three hours after it went up, it was, it was popping up on gamer news sites. Hey, why did Blizzard buy uh, ProjectBlackstone.com? What does this mean? What, where, where does it go? And, and there were uh, debates about it. and the, it, it became this thing where people felt like they were sleuthing out the answer. And they went to the site, and it was password protected. And if you entered the wrong password, lights, red lights would flash and it would say, warning, you've entered unauthorized space. Uh, put your hands behind your back and authorities will be there shortly. Like, it was kind of like, like gruesome military stuff, you know. But it was enough to tease them out. And, uh, and again, we'd, we'd, uh, I thought I was pretty clever. We we'd, uh, you know, worked with our web team to hide the password in the coding on, that, on the front page. Um, and again, I assumed we'd have weeks before this was figured out. It was really once it was it was discovered, and only in a matter of another couple of hours before somebody on the forum 
says, I figured it out. I cracked the code and uh, threw it out there. And I, this kid was put on the shoulders of everybody. He was the hero of the day for finding this, this code. It was passed around. So everybody shares the password. They go put it on the site and it opens up and they're in the email inbox of a xenobiologist who's been conscripted by the Dominion government to help them <laughs> uh, weaponize new alien findings. And all of a sudden, the fans have this, this uh, emails they can dig through for uh, juicy bits <laughs> of story. And they find out, whoa, somebody does search for the scientist's name. He's on Twitter. He's been tweeting for three months. Oh, my gosh. Everybody ran over there to, to follow the story. So they were they were sleuthing and figuring out and picking an active part in the revelation of this story. And, uh, and you know, to take this out of the, the fun, geeky part of it, they were partaking in our product. They were playing our game without having put a single dollar down yet. And, and it's one thing to say, hey, this forgetful little game where you, you know, uh, connect the dots or, you know, uh, <laughs> crush candy or whatever. Uh, there, there's definitely power to that. But when you can get somebody uh, involved in the story, in the lore, in the characters and the passion of what's going on, you get Blizzard fans. You get fans who are lifetime uh, connections, who are lifetime friends to what you're doing, because because they know these characters, they've they've worked with these characters, and that's you, you can ask any of the uh, you know massive demographics uh, who come to BlizzCon every year uh, why they do that, and it's because the stories told by this company are connected to great games but they have characters that the audience feels connected to. And that's what, what transmedia is about. And, and it, it doesn't just have to be for video games. Every but you know what? Yeah. Story. No, I mean, it makes me think of that uh, Jay-Z book that came out a few years ago, Decoded, where yes. he had pages hidden and people, like fans had to literally go on treasure hunts trying to find stuff for this Jay-Z book, right? Yeah. And yeah. they got all this free press they never would have gotten – I mean, like, it was it was like an experience. It was like a, you know, there's a bunch of rappers that have had books come out, right? And he got so much more out of it because of this, um, you know, thinking a little bit what would be fun as the consumer, what would be right. entertaining, right? And, I mean, you think about entertainment as a business. I mean, there's so much of the regular business-to-business -business world or, or B2C world that has gone past regular advertising has gotten into content marketing. Uh -huh. But really you see those leaders like the Legos of the world that now have a Lego movie, you know, and they're going uh -huh. or like, you know, the Bloombergs of the world that, that the, they figure the best way to sell <laughs> the best way to sell their computer. Right. Essentially that's what a Bloomberg right. terminal is, is by being a media company and getting tons and tons of attention for making media so good. It's like a profit center. And right. then also we get to sell our stuff, you know, I mean, it, it's exactly. funny. Um, it's interesting to me. You brought up esports, right? And StarCraft is obviously a big name and yeah. has been in that world. And uh, it's funny to me where you can look up a Sports Illustrated article about video games, right? Because ah, Sports Illustrated, right. we think of <laughs> basketball and NFL and whatever, right? And uh -huh. as far as people who are trying to think, you know, hey, lifetime value of a customer, I want to get young people buying our stuff so I, you know, we make the most amount over lifetime. You know, marketing yeah. to the young is, is something that's um, obviously America is pretty obsessed with. Um, you know, especially for people who discount the video game world and don't, don't think about it as a 
$30 billion industry. Like when you look at even what Sports Illustrated is talking about, they're saying, hey, listen, you know, when people are, you know, when when, when a big esports, which is basically get together and play video games against each other, right? When there's $20 million in prizes and like yeah. the top team, each of those five guys are bringing home $1.8 million for playing video yeah. games for the weekend. Like you're getting attention, you know, it's like yeah. the industry oh, grew yeah. by 50% last year to it's almost 500 million. Well, and year. you're getting attention just from, from an audience that is connected online, has disposable income and, uh, you know, and, and, and cares about innovation. You know, the, these are people who are interested in new ideas, who are interested in watching their sports, uh, you know, as it's battled out between robots and five-headed aliens, you know, that's, it's a, it's an audience that can be intrigued and that can be brought into the story um, and will do so energetically if you do it the right way. Yeah. So for those of us not in this world, what kind of advice would you have for, you know, maybe we, we want to get involved in sponsoring something like that, or at least getting some of the you know, it's like if you have anything to do with AI or machine learning or drones or 3D printing, you know, like this is the cool stuff, like the Teslas of today, right? So I'm a, I'm a big company. I'm trying to appeal to the, the consumer out there, the young consumer. What do uh-huh. I need to know about esports or what do I need to be thinking about for the video game world over the next three to five years? Um, right. what, what's happening out there that I might want to consider? Right. Well, it really is a message that, that I think works no matter what type of company we're talking about, you, you want to talk about what is, what is the story of our company? You know, what, what is it that we're doing? What is it the effort that, that we're making? How are we changing the world? You know, you, you, you wouldn't start a company if you didn't have some thoughts along that measure. And the realization of uh, the more transparent you are about that and the more you can engage your, your customer base or your audience in that, uh, the more it becomes a shared we, us, our effort, and less of a uh, handed down to, to you sort of a thing. And I know that sounds really broad and really general, but I think it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, the, the modern age with, you know, with the connectivity that we have now, the technology that allows us to, you know, be on the other side of the planet and still talk to somebody's face through our phones, it, it means that that we need to be, our companies need to be able to embrace that candidness and even that intimacy with our, with our audiences. Um, so, so, and, and the modern audiences, they don't want to, I mean, if, if the, uh, the numbers we got from Blizzard are any indication, modern audiences do not want to have banners stuck in their face. They don't want to, they're very jaded about advertising in general, you know, uh, the, the, the advertising you see these days almost tries to sneak itself into their, into their laps. And that still feels, I don't know, kind of, kind of shady <laughs> to me. Uh, the, the very best, I think the, the next age of sharing the company story and, and helping your audience to learn about what you're doing is to have your audience, have your customers as excited participants in what we're doing. You know, some people call it gamification. Yeah, seeing a lot of, of of apps that are taking things like doing your taxes or you know finding the best bus route and and it feels like a game. Waze, fantastic navigation app, has gamified navigation, and it just turns out. I mean, it seems so simple. And you, I mean, you want to talk circular here in our story. It's one of the core precepts 
of Scott Card's Ender's Game is that if we can play a game as we do something, our minds will more eagerly and more excitedly uh, jump into that. Um, I've, I, my, my brother Adrian right now uh, has created an app that helps law firms get involved with um, social media. That sounds kind of not as exciting as, you know, as aliens and robots, um, but he's created an app that makes it a game where you win points by making a post on Facebook, and it's been really successful. What, with, yeah, what's with it his, called or what's his company or website? It's, uh, it's Clearview uh, True Social. His name is Adrian Dayton. You should check him out on Twitter. Okay. Um, but he's, he's essentially made, made a game out of uh, bringing your law firm into you know, social media. And, and we, we, he's, we've consulted a lot on, on how he does that. And there's a lot of game theory that goes into that. Because in the end, game theory is just the science of how do we make it fun. You know, I think game theory helps us game developers feel like we, we're doing something important. But really, it's just how do you make this fun? So let's and I know, you know, just kind of in the interest of time here, I don't want to keep you all afternoon. But um, let, let's do this for one. Let's shift gears for one second. OK. 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 So shifting gears, thinking about an, another kind of question, you know, we talked about pioneering and, and you know, what it coming up with crazy ideas, even at a company that does have $15 billion in assets at Activision, right? And um, when you think about the team, though, the implementation, I mean, the nature of getting humans together is not everybody agrees all the time. Can yeah. you talk about, uh, you know, as you guys are inventing and you're trying to get senior management to sign off on something or you're, in, you know, what you're doing right now, inventing the new Call of Duty. Can you talk about any uh, lessons about, leadership or humility or actually listening to people that you feel like make creativity and innovation better? Yeah, I, I think one of the core things, and this has been actually brought up to me uh, time and time again over this past project, um, the, uh, when you get enough smart minds together and creative minds together, um, you'll get a lot of what are called happy actors. I think that's uh, what Bob Ross calls them, the, uh, the happy tree painter guy. Yeah. This is where, this is where you're, you're using some brilliant color and you're totally planning to make the leaf, you know, uh, slant upwards to the left. But for some reason, an irregularity in the canvas or, or some fate of the space-time continuum makes the paint pool and spill down and, and blot in another direction and ends up being the most beautiful swirling of colors that you could have never predicted. Um, that sort of chaos theory of creativity um, is is very true with collaborative work, and and you have to truly believe that to be a creative leader. You can't just say that. I, I know it sounds like a very nice thing to say, but I'm gonna you know make it my way. But there there has to be the the complete belief that uh, bringing in disparate ideas and disparate personalities, disparate characters. Um, is going to make uh, the entire product a better product. Um, and that's, that's certainly true for something that you want a broad audience for. Um, and it, it's hard as a director because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer as well. I'm a novelist, and I, I love having my own story that I can uh, completely steer to exactly where I want it to go. Um, but, uh, but with a group, with a creative team like we've got in one of the, the biggest games in the world, I will get ideas shooting, you know, left, right, and upside down. 
um, and, uh, and, and learning to see what is good in those ideas um, rather than saying, no, that's just going to yank us away from, uh, from my idea has been the biggest lesson for me. And, uh, and sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's, um, you know, the, a, a, an idea will come in, a creative idea that seems so out of left field that, that your first response is to chuckle. And, and that's okay. But uh, I, my advice would be take that extra, you know, 10, 15 minutes uh, after, after a creative meeting and really sit and look and see where that came from. You know, maybe even the idea itself um, wasn't expressed in the best way or maybe it was, um, you know, really trying to communicate a need for a, a different sort of entertainment or a need for a different sort of perspective. It's so valuable, Jess. And, and, and this is where many brains are actually better than one single brain is, uh, is, is creating something that uh, uh, is, is truly, truly creative. Any tips for, you know, those of us who are in charge, who recognize uh, I could probably be a little more humble and I could probably, <laughs> I could probably uh, listen to people's ideas more fully to look right. for the kernel of genius instead of dismissing it right off the bat? Right. Right. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I struggle with it myself, you know? Um, and, and oftentimes it's not even so much, uh, the, the case of, well, I'm always right. It's just, this needs to be done. And if I don't, you know, get on it and do it, it won't be done and it won't be done. Right. Um, and, uh, I, (laughs) luckily I get plenty of reminders to, uh, stay humble and keep it, uh, keep it uh, on the, uh, on, on a lower pitch there. Uh, but, you know, I, whenever I get a, an idea or something is brought to me by somebody on my team, by one of my designers, one of my artists, one of my, my writers, um, if it is something that, that is shockingly good, surprisingly good, humblingly good, I will actually save that. I've got a file on my desktop where I save those things from projects years and years gone. Uh, it helps to be reminded that sometimes... Uh, you're not the brightest bulb in the room, and sometimes yeah. somebody has a better idea. Um, at Chair, we had a, a plaque written over the door that said, the best idea wins. And it seems so trite, you know, but, but really what the, the, the thrust of that idea is, it doesn't matter who had the idea. It doesn't matter where it came from. When it's the best idea, it's all of ours, and that wins, and we all win. I love it. Well, listen, we appreciate how much time you've shared with us. Um, when, uh, when is the new Call of Duty out this fall? So it'll come out November 3rd is the official launch date, and uh, there's going to be a, a media frenzy around this, the likes of which you've never seen before. It's, uh, we've done some big, big stuff, and, and you're going to see some fireworks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely get in and play the game. There's a lot of uh, 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 focus on... Uh, you know the the sacrifices made during this war and and the uh, what what it means to humanity and get in and try the zombie game too because it's just super fun. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's something we're really looking forward to getting into your hands. Love it. Well, as far as people reaching out to you, what's the best place? LinkedIn, Twitter. What's what's the best way for somebody who wants to reach out to you? You know what? Yeah, for uh, for anything regarding business, LinkedIn is always the best. And just look under my name, Cameron Dayton. Twitter is great for quick responses uh, at uh, less than 145 characters, so uh, that's uh, that, that's good as well. Um, and again, both of them just uh, just under my name. Well, thanks so much.
Uh-huh. Thank you, Jeff. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about. If you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.